the mentor I had at the time truly taught me accountability and what it means to hold people accountable. Um, and it's not a very, it's not an easy thing to do. I think naturally most people are not interested in conflict. They're not interested in having to have those difficult and challenging discussions and conversations. It's, it's uncomfortable. Even after doing it for 20 plus years, it's still not fun. I don't know anyone that enjoys it, but it's, it's necessary. Uh, it's, I think it's necessary for success. Um, and he really taught me how to hold people accountable. Are you looking for a place to continue to grow and develop, especially in your leadership? How about connecting with others who feel the same way? Hi, I'm Paul Ferrandi, aka Incredible Paul, and I've got great news for you. The Incredible Paul community is for people who desire to become the most incredible versions of themselves. The community is for individuals who are goal-driven and action-oriented. This community is dedicated to leadership and personal growth, especially in going deeper in your career, starting a business, or developing a business. Join me in becoming the most incredible version of yourself. Go to incredipal.org slash community to join the waitlist and sign up. I-N-C-R-E-D-I-Paul.org slash community. Join the waitlist. I can't wait to see you there. Turn this up. Turn this up. Your professional development is one of the keys to your career success. When you combine your desire to grow with actionable steps, your journey to success becomes an incredible reality. Hi, I'm Paul Faranbi, and welcome to Incredible Paul Leadership, where we learn how to become the most incredible versions of ourselves by learning from each other. Today, I have the honor of having Roger Brecht on the show. He's a currently the Vice President of Digital Manufacturing at Nestle Purina. For over 20 years, he has worked at Nestle Purina to, to continually innovate and shape the future of pet care for your pets and all of ours as well. So that was just a brief introduction. Roger, how about you introduce yourself the way you would do it? Sure, no problem. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate the, the opportunity. Uh, again, my name is Roger Brecht. I'm the Vice President of Digital Manufacturing for Nestle Purina Pet Care in North America. I've been with uh, Nestle for over 20 years. Um, never thought that would even be a thing. Um, looking <laughs> back, it's been a heck of a ride um, with a, a lot of learnings along the way. So um, really enjoy what I'm doing now and excited about what the future holds. That's really exciting. So I, I know you just said that you, you didn't expect yourself to, uh, to be here for 20 years. Was there something else when you were first getting out of college or what 20, 20 plus years ago, what were you thinking you, you were gonna be doing? Right. So I, I graduated from the University of Iowa in May of 2000. So I'm sure there's some folks that might be watching this that weren't even around yet at that time. And <laughs> Maybe. my my intent was I, I got a good offer. I did I did exactly what you're not supposed to do. I, <laughs> I interviewed with Purina. I got my first offer and then I took it. And everyone at the time was coaching me up. No, you need to you need to look around more. And um, honestly, the offer was was solid. I thought it would give me some good experience. I didn't have a lot of I didn't have any internships or anything, unfortunately. So I, I really needed some practical experience. And mm -hmm. in my mind, I was going to work there about a year to 18 months, oh, really? get a little bit of experience, which in my, again, in my mind, that was, that was extensive experience. Yeah. And then I was going to relocate to the Chicagoland area and, and find a job in the ISIT, um, you know, I guess workplace. Yeah. Um, I really had a desire to live the, the city life. Oh, awesome. So then did you grow up in Iowa then? 
Yeah, I grew up in eastern Iowa near near Cedar Rapids. So then the University of Iowa was only about 45 minutes or so from my house. Um, I went to a really small school in high school, so I was I was anxious to get to some place where I might see you the first day of campus, uh, and we might be there for four more years together, and I never see you again. It was just just to be yeah. able to kind of broaden my horizons, and so yeah, yep, yeah. went there, and then the first job was in in the Quad Cities, also in Iowa. Okay, no, that, that's really cool. And I know you mentioned University of Iowa. I'm Iowa State, and I have it up there. We'll we'll set aside the rivalry at least for, for this. I see that the Hawkeyes like it back there too, right? Uh, but yeah, so it's proof that Hawkeyes and Cyclones can get along. We, we can intermingle, right? <laughs> yes, we can. We can. But yeah, for sure. So th that's really interesting. As far as you were thinking, going to Chicago after. 18 months a year. What changed as far as, uh, did you get to move with Perina or like, yeah, what happened? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think part of it was, you know, I'm not sure many people go to college and or grow up thinking I want to work in manufacturing. And, and I certainly <laughs> didn't. You know, my father was a, a maintenance technician in a manufacturing setting most of his mm -hmm. career. Um, my mother worked in uh, kind of in a, in a clerical role, mm. and so I was I had seen manufacturing, but it wasn't anything that really interested me. The offer yeah. came, and I and so I thought, well, this is a good enough offer to get started. Yeah. Um, a year into my career, Nestle bought Purina, and then oh, that provided yeah. me my first relocation opportunity and first uh, real crack at at some major project work, and I really okay. enjoyed it. It was it was the type of high pace. Uh, high energy type um, exposure environment that I was looking for. So okay. I think that was kind of when when things shifted and I quit looking around and I was so focused on on you know doing well on this specific project of integrating the two organizations. And so uh, that's that's what really kind of moved the needle. And then I I transitioned out of ISIT into operations and and oh, wow. that's then really then it was kind of full steam ahead with building a career with it at, at Purina. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know that's how we got connected uh, for, right. for my my days at Purina. Um, lots of trips up to the Clinton factory while you're a factory manager yeah. up there. Uh, so and that's not too far from the Quad Cities area either. Nope, nope, not at all. Awesome. So one one reason I, I really wanted to have you on the podcast is that you are someone that what I've seen and what other people have told me as well, your leadership is tremendous and you have a really a, a really good way of getting people to follow you, which is uh, really uncommon with a lot of leaders. I know some people do it better than others, but I've heard nothing but good things from you and I've also heard it from others. Have you enjoyed listening to the Incredible Paul podcast? Are you looking for a way to support it? Or maybe you just want some swag? Check out the Incredible Paul store today. We have shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, hats, stickers, and so much more. Go to IncrediblePaul.org, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-Paul.org, and click on the store link. Or go to the link in my socials bio and click on the Incredible Paul shop. Looking forward to seeing your incredible look. So I'm curious as far as what kind of took you on this leadership journey? Because I know you said you started in manufacturing. Um, you kind of had the opportunity to integrate Nestle and Purina, which is an undertaking in itself. But 
put all of that. But was there a point or a switch where you felt you were a leader, you were more intentional about building your leadership skills? Sure. Yeah, I think it was my, my first real role within Nestle Purina and leading was, was actually um, a third shift supervisory role. So hmm. I went from being the, the IT person uh, at the factory to a third shift production supervisor wow. slash IT person. Uh, oh, so and I had a, a group of about yeah, yeah, right. Kind of a weird twist there. I, yeah. I, I don't know. If there's any that have followed that same path. Yeah. Um, but it, it was it was the best thing that happened to me. You know, I had okay. an interest in in leading. I've always been outgoing or extroverted. Uh, mm. I always, you know, in in college, I like to be around big groups and 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 interact with others. Yeah. Um, but leading is something that's that's considerably different, and so this was my first crack at it, mm-hmm. and and it was also my first exposure to trying to live your life when your daylight hours are 10 p.m. at night till about 9 a.m. in the morning. Oh and, yeah. And, and you know, all, all joking aside, there is no daylight, of course, during yes, that time. So no, no. Um, it was quite a quite a change. But there was about 20 to 25 folks that reported directly to me, and that was my first shot at it. And I learned a ton. You know, there's. Mm. I will be the first one to tell you uh, lots of opportunities. There's some folks I wish I could go back to and, and apologize <laughs> to for, you know, as I was trying to really feel my way around mm-hmm. what it takes to, to truly lead mm-hmm. and what the difference between leading and managing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, there's a considerable difference. Yeah. Uh, but that's where I got my feet wet with it. And that's, you know, I think at that point, even when it was pretty difficult at first trying to make all those adjustments, I felt like I was really in my element and that's what I wanted to do. And that's where I wanted to grow. That's, that's really cool. I like that a lot. And so you kind of hit it on this, like the difference between leading and managing. What, what do you consider the differences either like from your personal stories or maybe stuff that's happened to you? Sure. I think, so you manage your finances, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, those are things, that's something that you manage. You lead, leading is different. I think leading requires, uh, to your earlier point, you know, getting the bulk of the of of a group of people to head in a direction that you feel is the right direction for the for the better of the group, mm-hmm. um, and I think it requires being transparent, being mm-hmm. being open, being you know open to feedback, being willing mm-hmm. to change um, and adjust based on the needs of others, yeah. uh, and I, I think it you know it also requires you to to recognize very early on that you don't know everything, yeah. um, and the minute you think you do. You probably need to take a step back, yeah. um, but often I, I've I've run into people and I've had some mentors um, or people that were you know I reported directly to that I think spent more time trying to manage you know my time um, rather than giving me the flexibility mm. and you know putting some guardrails up but allowing me to to work within those guardrails, knowing full well, I'm going to make some mistakes, but that's how I'm going to grow yeah. too. So those are the, that's the type of uh, leadership I, I've always appreciated versus someone who I felt was managing me, you know, at a very micro uh, level. Yeah. No, I'm glad, glad you mentioned that though, the micromanaging. I know no one really likes to be micromanaged, but it comes from trying to control and make sure that things are happening what you think is the right way as the the manager, but it doesn't give the employee or the direct report, it doesn't give them an opportunity to grow with like with the, the guardrails that you mentioned that you can, you can learn from your successes, but you learn a lot more from your mistakes 
or your failures and sure. like, and having a leader that is is there to guide you as opposed to direct you i think is key no i i agree 100 percent. the phrase i've often used and I, I i know i didn't come up with this on my own i had a good mentor at some point that that gave me this example but i've often said i, I need you to fly the plane I can't have you down on the ground in the middle of everything, trying mm. to make every decision, trying to, uh, you know, pull every lever that you can. Mm. That's where you have to build trust uh, within your within your teams. And you you need to be at again at a 30,000 foot level where you're you're there if needed. But you have to you have to, you know, create that decision space uh, where it needs to be and where it's most effective. That's really good. That's good. So I know you, you mentioned that you transitioned into the search of supervisor role and also doing IT, which I don't know how you were doing both of those things. <laughs> but, Probably not very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's two different things. I don't know how you were doing that. But so I, I know you said you, obviously there's opportunities. It's the first time you're you're leading or managing. What were... What were some things I know you talked about some mentors was that in that role or like in another role or what were, were there any key moments in your career um that you you learned things or like someone spoke into you or anything like that yeah there was there's probably two that stood out uh early on in that that third shift role uh the mentor I had at the time truly taught me accountability and what it means to hold people accountable mm. um and it's not a very, it's not an easy thing to do. I think naturally most people are not interested in conflict. They're not interested in having to have those difficult and challenging discussions and conversations. It's, mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. Even yeah. after doing it for 20 plus years, it's still not fun. I don't know yeah. anyone that enjoys it, no. but it's, it's necessary. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's necessary for success. Um, and he really taught me how to hold people accountable. It's interesting. He, he often would comment and say, you know, continue doing what you're doing don't don't hold people accountable the way that i do the way that he did because he was a bit um he was a bit abrasive and and his his uh his approach was probably a little bit outdated okay and he recognized that okay. and he would still tell me you know you you keep going down the path you're going and don't act like me and in my head i'm like well why do you do that then? <laughs> so, but, all right um but no, so he, he helped me understand accountability uh, okay. for sure. And he walked me through, he was great about, um, I'll call it like dry run or role playing. He was so hmm. good at putting me in a position where let's say I was going to have a, I knew I was going to have a difficult conversation that mm -hmm. evening. And so as he and I were kind of going through the, that the particular morning before I left, he would, you know, sit me down and say, okay, I'm going to pretend I'm going to be the employee. Okay. And, and you, you sit down just like you're going to tonight and let's walk through it. And, and he would make it really difficult for me, but it helped prep me so well for wow. that particular evening. I felt like I was prepared, you know? Yeah. And so I've often done that with others as well, just as something that I thought was a best practice. Um, I think the, the, the second thing that stands out from people that I've had mentor me before, um, one individual, and he just recently retired from our organization, he, he sat me down. I was, I was at a pivotal point in my career. I was, I was looking for more responsibility in my mm -hmm. head. I was ready for it. Mm -hmm. He recognized that I was not, and it had to do with, with, um, I was too emotional. 
So I, I got too high and I got too low. Um, and it could, you know, that could change just given how the particular shift or the particular week was oh, in the, okay. in the, the operation was performing. Yeah. So he, he helped me, you know, he, he gave me, he knew, he know I'm, he knows I'm a, an avid sports fan. So he gave me some analogies with some successful coaches in sports. Nice. Um, and, you know, encouraged me to consider the next time I'm ready to, to get too high or get too low. <laughs> you know, reflect on how would, you know, John Wooden handle this situation? Okay. How would Mike Krzyzewski yeah. handle this situation? Okay. You know, just a couple of names. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it had me pause and it was really effective and impactful. And I think that helped me take a huge leap in rapport with the teams I was leading. Um, it certainly helped. I always felt like I had an open door policy, but it helped reinforce that because there wasn't, you know, there wasn't the level of animation that there probably was earlier on in my my career as a leader, and so that would certainly uh, deter some folks from wanting to wanting to come in and talk, not knowing if I was going to be you know oh, okay. in a great place or if yeah. I was going to be you know animated in, in a negative manner. So he helped me understand that and coached me on that, and and I I'm forever thankful because I think that was a huge turning point in my career after that. Wow. Those are two really powerful examples. Now, one thing I want to highlight is just for you to be able to be mentored speaks to you as a leader, because it's really easy to be in a position of leadership and feel like everything is going fine, like I'm doing everything okay, but you seeking out the mentorship and applying what they said, like as far as the difficult conversations. I know that's something I'm being more intentional now about being proactive about having those difficult conversations instead of waiting until the last minute is the, the route right. I normally take. And I'm like, like, this doesn't help me, doesn't help them if I keep waiting. So I think that's really right. key. Yeah, these, yeah, two, two really, really strong individuals that, you know, had certainly had successful careers as well and that there's a reason for it. But yeah, can't thank them enough. Yeah, so that's that's really good. As, as also for uh, the second thing that you mentioned, as far as um, now my mind is blanking on what you said next. More of the take the be less less high less low. Oh yeah, the emotional side. Yeah. Emotional. yeah, 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 yeah. I had it and I lost it. But that's the beauty. No, you're fine. The recording stuff, but the, yeah. I think uh, that's a big piece of leadership is emotional intelligence as far as managing your emotions. And I think that's what he was able to teach you and to see that that's, that's another key thing. So uh, on that realm, cause I know you talk about the managing the emotions, how, what, what has been your approach to either keeping yourself tempered, not getting too high or not getting too low? How, how do you keep yourself together? I guess. It's a, it's a battle. Let me tell you now. Um, it's gotten easier, um, easier. It's, it's improved over time and gotten yeah. easier to handle over time. At first yeah. it was extremely difficult and I was mm -hmm. about probably 10 years into my career. So about ha the halfway point where I am right now. Yeah. Um, and that was, I would have to go and, and just when my natural instinct was to, you know, want to explode, I, I would actually go and, either back to my office. A lot of times I've found if I just went and did a, a lap in, in the factory, like out, go out by the, in the warehouse mm -hmm. area where there's, 
you know, there's less individuals and it's a little bit more quiet. You know, you don't have the hum, the steady hum of the equipment. Um, a few times I would go on the roof of the building, honestly, and just kind of take a minute to collect myself. Um, those are some things I did initially. Mm -hmm. I think as I got more responsibility, then as I was starting to feel those, those same, uh, what do you want to call them urges or natural instinct mm-hmm. i would actually go and find another leader in our team and, and sit down and talk with them and, and oh, wow. walk through it with them on That's hey good. here's where i'm at right now and here and and i want you know let's let's have some dialogue back and forth are you wondering what's next has everything you tried failed or maybe you just feel stuck then coaching might be right for you the coaching relationship is a relationship totally centered on you if you're tired of running on the hamster wheel of life and want to start to see results, reach out to Incredipal for help. So what are you waiting for? Go to incredipal.org slash coaching, I-N-C-R-E-D-I-P-A-U-L dot org slash coaching or at I am Incredipal on all my socials. Or you can click the link in the bio for your free coaching session. I want to make sure you become the most incredible version of yourself. And it, what it did was, or what I thought it was doing was providing them insight into, you know, we always can, can improve. Mm-hmm. And, and here's what I do when I'm in one of those situations, mm-hmm. especially if I know they, they have similar mannerisms too. And yeah. so you kind of do this, this double coaching and I seek out feedback from them and I'm, I'm asking them to coach me up. But then in the same time, they're getting a part of this experience too to help them as they move forward too. So that's where it's kind of gravitated to. But mm-hmm. I've, like I said, I've done everything from walk the parking lot, go to the roof, and and take ten minutes. You know, just. But really, initially, it was it was stepping away from the situation, and mm-hmm. and trying to almost let myself diffuse. Yeah. Uh, before saying or or doing anything, and, and it probably helped that at the time, my family we were just starting a, a family at home, and I had three mm-hmm. small children, and so. I got to have a lot of practice at home and work, you know, where I had to make sure I was, was not flying off the handles. So yeah, um, yeah. I was getting a lot of practice there. So that probably helped too. Yeah, fair enough. No, that, that's a good point. And that, I think both of those are good strategies as far as just giving it some time or finding someone trusted that you can talk to about it. And that that's helped me a lot. I know there's been some things in the, in the recent past uh, with some things, the way things are handled. And I'm like, what is going on? But talking to people about it helps me <laughs> simmer down and like, okay, just focus on what I can control, how we can yep. diffuse the, the situation. So that that's really good. I like that. But yeah, yeah I know we've been talking. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go, go for it. You, you touched on a key point. I think, <clears throat> yeah, I'd be remiss to say, you know, I've, I've, Fortunate, I've I've got a brother-in-law who who's one of my closest friends, and he's uh, he works in in manufacturing. Uh, he's always been a few steps ahead of me in terms mm-hmm. of responsibility, and he's been an, a huge help when you're having those types of situations. And sometimes it's a text exchange, and sometimes that leads to a two-minute phone call. But mm-hmm. it's amazing to your point if you've got somebody that you can trust that you know is not always going to tell you, certainly not going to tell you what you want to hear, but yeah. what you need to hear. Um, that comes in extremely helpful. So I, I, I can't thank him enough either. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's a really good point. The want, what you need to hear versus what you want to hear. Because when you have yes people around you, whether you're leading them or just close friends, you can't grow from that. You can't get better from it. 
So being intentional about seeking out people who are going to help you grow, I think that's really good. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Well, I know we've been talking a lot about leadership, but I want the audience to also get to know you just in general as well. I know you had mentioned that you're an avid sports fan. What What is your your go to sports? What do you like? So I am I'm a I'm a football guy. Football, um, yeah. I had a great opportunity when I was in college to work for the University of Iowa football team. So oh wow, I went from I went from you know playing sports all through high school mm. and and liking to play sports and certainly watching you know the Iowa Hawkeyes when I was a kid on TV mm. to suddenly you know I'm on the sideline for, during games I'm wow. at every practice these are my friends out there playing now so yeah. it, it's just it was a huge it, it you know probably transitioned me into more of the fanatic part of a fan so <laughs> um, I'm definitely a diehard Iowa Hawkeye fan I, yeah. I I enjoy college football and pro football and then. I, I do like college basketball as well. Um, my boys, they've all played football and, and awesome. wrestled and played lacrosse. And so uh, and each time I get a chance to watch them play is, is awesome too. Oh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, I know uh, wrestling is really big in Iowa and the Hawkeyes yeah. are usually number one or number two every year. Yep, that was my dad took us, my brother and I, to a couple of duels when we were kids. We weren't wrestlers. I was a basketball player, but okay. it's still such a – such a fun sport and, and so intense and and my three boys all did it you know here and there for a few years and it was as a parent probably the most uh, anxious sport i've ever watched in my entire life because there's i mean <laughs> every other sport there's you know eight to ten other people out oh, on, the, yeah. on the field or even double that at times mm -hmm. and Mistakes are a little bit harder to see, but when you're you're the only one on the mat with oh, one other yeah. person, it, it's uh it's pretty obvious when when you've met your match. So, uh, yeah, certainly uh, was interesting from a parent standpoint, but a lot of proud moments too, for sure. Oh, that, that's really exciting. Yeah, when it's just just one on one. Yeah, I didn't wrestle. I've seen it a couple of times, but I just this is just a really intense sport. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, like I don't know how they do it. Yeah, it's a you have to be wired a little bit different, I think, to be successful at it. I I think I I, I wrestled one year in in junior high when that was when you could play every sport and try oh, it. Yeah, I I spent more time on my back counting the lights than I did uh, having any success. So I, it was definitely not for me. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. He said basketball was for you. What what position did yep. you play? Uh, I was a shooting guard, shooting guard. Uh, right. for our basketball team. I liked. Uh, yeah. I like. I was the kid that when I was growing up, would go take the ice chipper out and chip ice and shovel snow in our driveway so I could go shoot baskets for, you know, half hour or whatever. I, wow. I wish I would have kept that same approach. Um, I got into high school and I kind of, I found other things to to occupy my time probably more than than practicing. But I still <laughs> I still enjoyed it uh, all through high school. But uh, yeah, I. I can remember getting yelled at from my parents, you know, it was a Sunday, we were getting ready to go to church and I was out chipping ice so I could shoot hoops before we went to church. So kind of, kind of crazy when you reflect back on it. Yeah. Wow. That That's really focused as far as like in the middle of winter, you're doing that. That's I was trying. Yeah. That's really it's a problem of living in the Midwest. You know, you, you have to deal with the elements no matter what you're trying to play. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. So true. So, I know you, you mentioned that, at least with Perina, you've been with Perina over 20 years. I know you said you started off in, in the Quad Cities. Were there other places that you moved around with Perina or like kind of, I know you, you kind of talked through like the, the first couple of positions. You walk us through like what else you got to do. 
Sure, sure. So my career is kind of weird. It's, it's almost like two halves. The first, yeah. you know, the first two years was in the Quad Cities at our mm-hmm. largest manufacturing facility, mm. and then Nestle bought Purina, which uh, uh, a common, you know, allowed my first move to middle, really Midwest or um, Iowa, in a, in a town Fort Dodge. Okay, about twenty five thousand people. Okay, um, I know that's right by army. <laughs> It's not yeah. too far from Ames. Yeah. So. yeah, Ames is like about an hour away. So yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> it's one of the, the closest uh, cities of any size, actually. So <laughs> um, heavy, heavy farming community, heavy farming presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, all three of our boys were born there. Oh. That's when I transitioned out of ISIT into operations. Okay. So I spent a year on third shift supervising mm-hmm. production and as well as the IT manager and then a year on first shift hours, supervising mm-hmm. production, then the IT manager. And then at that point I was promoted to production manager, which I was done with all of ISIT and mm-hmm. it was just really leading all of operations at the mm-hmm. factory across all three shifts. Mm-hmm. And so I was in that role. We, it was an interesting time in our, in our company. There wasn't a lot of movement at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we were growing as an organization well, but there just wasn't a lot of people movement, uh, oh, wow. not, not many retirements or any other natural attrition. Okay. So I was in that role for about five years. Some of the first 10 years of my career was spent at two locations oh, wow. and then the moves started. So okay. after Fort Dodge, um, when my youngest son was about 18 months old, we moved to Western New York. Wow. I was the production manager at our factory right off the Lake Erie there for about two years. Yeah. Then to St. Louis for about two years uh, in a divisional manager role for, for product development. So I spent time learning about the products we make, how mm-hmm. they're nutritionally complete and balanced. I learned a ton about nutrition. Uh, the wow. nutritionist at the time that was a part of the team I was leading, uh, he's still with us uh, too. He's fantastic. I, I mean, to the point where I'm sure I was annoying him. I was asking him so many nutritional <laughs> questions and it was about our formulas, but then it started to get personal. I'm like, okay, so if I'm trying to do this for my own diet, you know, um, but it was a lot of fun and I learned a ton, um, yeah. kind of had like a sponge mentality then. Mm-hmm. Um, then to Lincoln, Nebraska for okay. about 10 months as uh, the assistant factory manager. Yeah, That's it was a short, short stint. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was quick. Um, and then so my goal at this time had, had for the last several years had been to be a factory manager. That, mm-hmm. That's what I really wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had my first opportunity to do this in, in Ohio. Uh, we have a factory about 40 minutes east of Columbus mm-hmm. uh, in Zanesville. So I was mm-hmm. the factory manager there for about two years, okay. which was a really interesting uh, experience. Uh, it's not a large factory, yeah, but the gentleman that I was replacing had been there. He and his brother started the company from scratch like oh. out of this building. Yeah. Wow. So it was, you know, there, there was a lot of past practices and he, you know, he was, he was a tremendous person, tremendous mm-hmm. leader. Um, but going in, you know, the first person after this whole family yeah. dynasty was, was a little bit, uh, it felt a little bit clumsy at first, but, yeah. um, but, you know, got my feet under me and, and there's a great group of people to work with there. And then you mentioned it earlier, but I was there about two years and then asked to come lead our, our factory in Clinton, Iowa. Mm, okay. uh, and so I was in that role for about three and a half years okay. and then uh, kind of came full circle. The gentleman that, that hired me out of college to be an IS trainee um, was retiring and I was asked to backfill his role, which was oh, this. Wow. So 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a heck of a journey. Uh, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It, I'm, I'm so glad that I'm dating myself here, but I'm so glad <laughs> my resumes on monster.com, you know, a year into my career didn't, didn't, uh, evolve to anything because uh, I, I couldn't be happier where I'm at right now. And it's, it, it's been fun to reflect back on it. Yeah. That, that's phenomenal. Even full circle that I think it was that you took over from Terry. So I didn't realize Terry had hired you and then yeah. you were taken over as VP from him. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who I, right. That's what, if you'd have told me, you know, this would have be the case three years ago, I'd have thought you're crazy. Um, wow. but you know, things work out somehow. And so I, I really enjoy the, the folks I'm working with, um, uh, fantastic group. Um, and, and we're doing some really exciting things right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you, you kind of mentioned digital manufacturing. I know I got to, to work with your team a little bit while I was in Perino with some of the, the digital stuff. Um, I didn't know as far as what you can share, like either what has already been done or maybe has just been implemented. Cause I know there's a lot of cool things that people may not realize is happening in manufacturing. Sure. Yeah. I think manufacturing gets kind of a bum rap, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was guilty of this. I said it earlier that you know, I didn't grow up wanting to work in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. It was not, it was not a, what I thought would be fun or exciting, yeah. <clears throat> but it really is. And, and, and so much of it is different than, you know, what you see on movies where people <laughs> are coming out of these factories covered in grease and grime, mm -hmm. you know, and after they've worked 18 hours, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's completely different. You know, we we're fully regulated by FDA, USDA, mm -hmm. um, department of agriculture. And, um, you know, our, 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 our places are essentially spotless. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, it's pretty amazing how they look. And we get that feedback a lot when we tour people from outside of our organization. Um, I just lost my train of thought there. Uh, oh, you Go back to the question, Paul. Sorry, I, I was going down a tangent there and I lost my train of no, thought. No, you're good. As far as like what technology advances are like ah, currently yes. having or, yeah. Sorry, no. the thing that we're doing right now. Yeah, um, no, you're good. So I think what's unique about our, uh, our organization is we made a, a decision about four years ago to really take this industry 4.0 digital transformation serious. And so... Um, the, the first thing we did was we had to put the infrastructure in place. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, add a bunch of digital tools without having the backbone in place. Mm -hmm. It'd be no different than if you were trying to stream Netflix on, you know, a 56 K modem <laughs> yeah. that you, you know, dial up modem from, you know, 1999. So that's not going to be real effective. Mm -hmm. So we did all of that. Um, and I wasn't even a part of this, the group, you know, Terry was leading that team at that time. But if you go into any of our sites right now, you'll see every every operator on the floor, they have their own personalized iPad. So mm -hmm. they're using an iPad and the software that we have loaded on it to basically conduct day-to-day -day business. Mm -hmm. And that's everything from understanding where their losses are to understanding the overall performance of the shift and their piece of equipment mm -hmm. um, to messaging and communicating with others throughout the factory mm -hmm. to learning um, or troubleshooting. So we have a, a an application on, on our iPads called Polka. So I'll mm -hmm. give them a plug right now. <laughs> it's essentially like YouTube for manufacturing. Yeah. So if you're at home or if I'm at home and we get stuck doing something, I mean, I, I'm right to YouTube. Like, how can I, you know, what what's my wiring harness supposed to look like for my son's car stereo, you mm -hmm. know, and, and I, you know, I can, it, they can walk me through it. What's the same thing for manufacturing. So that's been a huge part yeah. and a huge help. Um, 
so it, it's pretty cool to see how far we've come. No, no pen and paper really anymore. It's, mm-hmm. it's all digitized. Probably the, the coolest thing that's adding a ton of value. So it has the cool factor and the value that yeah. we're doing right now um, is we've incorporated Spot, uh, the robot from Boston Dynamics. So awesome. if you're not familiar with Boston Dynamics, uh, world's you know greatest robotics manufacturer mm-hmm. um, out on the East Coast, and they have developed, a, it looks like a robotic dog yeah. named Spot. And Spot is doing predictive maintenance routes for us uh, in our factory, in two of our factories right now, soon to be the rest of the network. Wow. Um, which allows people or maintenance technicians to work on more value added mm. activities, such as, you know, resolving issues or replacing pieces of equipment that need it. Instead of just walking the route, Spot has the tools on Spot to capture all the information and then populate that back to, to our schedulers and planners. So that's been a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's let's face it we make pet food and we've got a robotic dog <laughs> yeah, in our two of our factories right now so it's perfect. uh it hits the mark in in more than one way yeah well that that's really cool the exciting the digital transformation that your team has been a part of i know like when i first started with Freener back in 2019 i think that was with the, the beginning of it with some you i know you plugged in polka yeah. i'll plug in red zone as well because i know they're always plugging yeah. perina pretty much everything they do uh, I think yeah. that was really the start of it to introduce the iPads and then Poco with, like you said, the YouTube for manufacturing helped a lot with training as well. And then I, yeah, I just recently saw on LinkedIn, they posted about spot. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a spot for, I mean, I would encourage anyone to just go to YouTube Boston dynamics and, and look at spot. It's again, we're getting on this, this, level of technology where it has the it has the it and the wow factor but it's adding a ton of value i mean we i'll be the first one that's tell everyone we, we're not doing tech just for the sake of doing tech mm-hmm. if it's not adding value even if it looks great we you know bring it back when it's going to add value for mm-hmm. us and the, the team at boston dynamics has been absolutely outstanding to work with um great partnership so far I and mean, really excited about where we're where we're going to take this over the next couple of years but you know spot is Spot stops traffic. We've had him or it, it down at our headquarters. And the first time we, we brought Spot in for a demonstration, which was just a little over a year ago, yeah. it was, and you've been in down in the square. So, yeah. you know, around one o'clock, everybody's coming back from lunch. Oh, it was yeah. about 1250 when Spot and he and the, the gentleman, Caleb Sylvester, who's been great. Uh, he's our point of contact. Yeah. He's been fantastic also. He walks him in from the parking lot, and I mean, you would have thought like LeBron James had walked into the, <laughs> the lobby. Everything just stops. People have their phones out, they're videoing, they're taking pictures, they're asking, "Hey, can I get my picture with the dog?" And I was like, "Well, <laughs> he's not going to say no, so yeah. sure, go ahead." And then, you know, people that had their own dogs with them, the dogs are kind of, you know, not really sure what to think yeah. of this robotic impersonator. But yeah, yeah it's it. It, it, again, it's it's been really cool, and, and the best part of this is it's it's adding a tremendous amount of value and allowing our employees to, to again to work on and focus on more value added activities. So really excited about what we're doing there. Yeah, so that that's really cool. Lots lots of value, lots of fun too. Got a, a new celeb came to the school there. That's cool. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> That's good. Well, we're almost out of time, but I don't know if there's yeah. is there anything that we haven't talked about either yourself, firstly or professionally, that you want 
the listeners to know about you before we close things out? Maybe just one last thing. And this was a, another, it's a current mentor of mine. Yeah. Um, he's been adamant about this and, and I've tried to take this when it comes to leading and, and getting, getting the group to shift and, and follow vision. Mm-hmm. I can't stress enough providing the why behind the what. Mm. Um, far too often, I think, and I've been on the receiving end of this. I've certainly been on the delivering end of this too, not mm-hmm. doing it correctly, but <clears throat> you don't always take time or make time to provide the why on, on, on why something is happening mm. or, or why it's necessary to do X, Y, and Z. And oftentimes that's all people are looking for. Mm. Hey, look, I, you know, I, I may not agree with it, but if you at least tell me why the heck we're doing this, mm-hmm. that, that I can understand it then. Yeah. <clears throat> we might not be on the same page, but I can understand it. But if it's just, you know, instead it's just an order or a directive, mm-hmm. then it becomes really challenging to, to get people on board and, and build that momentum that you're looking for. So just from a leadership standpoint, it's something that, that I've certainly used a lot over the past, you know, five, six years, because mm-hmm. that's when I started engaging with this individual and, and, and he's been really helping coach myself and others uh, on that, that very, very simple, but very effective uh, approach. That, that is really good to start with the why. And that, that's so true because oftentimes it's not that you can change what we're doing, but just simply having people understand it and it helps them buy into it more than just being directed and told like, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to do it. That, that, that why factor is really key. I agree a hundred percent. Yep. Awesome. Well, it's been amazing having you on the podcast. I should say incredible having you on the podcast. Uh, all the, the knowledge you shared uh, from your story and leadership and the really the technology, technological advances happening at Perina as well is remarkable. I want to make sure people know how to connect with you, um, either through your socials or email, whatever, however you want people to be able to stay connected with you. Sure. No, I, I think the easiest way is just you can find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, that's the easiest way. And then feel free to, <clears throat> excuse me, don't hesitate to reach out if you've got questions about anything that we covered or anything outside of this. Um, I think you'll find I'm pretty engaging um, and, and love to, especially if there's a way that I can help. So please don't hesitate to, to reach out via LinkedIn and we can take it from there. Awesome. So I'll make sure I put your your name and your, your LinkedIn um, in the show notes. So have a link to it. And then across the screen, they'll already have put that, what your name is, so they can just search for it as well. I really want to do it. Awesome. So if people were listening to it, you should be watching it as well. So aside of YouTube, I have to plug that in. (laughs) If you're not watching it, you should watch it. It's a lot better experience. But thank you for listening as well. And for those already watching it, thank you for watching it. You're doing it right. But it's been incredible having you on the podcast, Roger. Thanks for sharing your leadership journey, the transparency, just understanding that leadership is a journey. It's not something that you just arrive at. And I know there's one thing you mentioned that when you feel like you've arrived or you are doing everything right, that's when things start to go down, that it's really something that you have to constantly work at and constantly improve. And even I think one key thing that you mentioned is that you should leave yourself open to the idea of doing something that you didn't expect to do in the first place. He said, yeah, yeah, 20 plus years ago, you were thinking moving to uh, Chicago and doing other things and yep. uh, other things happen and you, you stuck with it and now you're doing amazing things and 
I re- really want to thank you for be- taking the time to be on the podcast. I know you're incredibly busy person with all this <laughs> innovation that's happening at Purina, traveling across the country and the world. So I really appreciate your time. No, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, Paul. I appreciate it as well. Yeah, for sure. And everyone listening, I hope you learned something from Roger's story so that you keep being incredible. Be sure to rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you here next time. And be incredible. Incredible.